Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy, where the doctor's always in. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for joining us this morning. We're going to talk about your health issues this morning. That's right. We would love to hear what is ailing you this morning. You can always call in for a live question and an answer from me. Uh, your doctor for the hour. So give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy from NB- MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Good morning, I want to welcome everybody to Southern Remedy here on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. We're taking your calls this morning about any and all things that you are interested in. You may not be familiar with this program if you're tuning in for the first time or if you're coming back after a while. You can call in live with a question that you might have about your health or the health of somebody else. You can be as specific or as vague as you want. There's lots of hypothetical questions or those, uh, hey, I know a friend that might have this. Those are okay, too. You know, sometimes it's uh, everybody's a little embarrassed to call in. But, hey, I am a friendly voice to talk to. So we're going to try to get you the answers that you need this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email, and that doesn't have to be just while we're on the air. You can email us anytime at remedy at mpbonline.org. Uh, still a lot of cold weather out there. Man, I had a traumatic event at my house uh, yesterday and the uh, day before, so our dog of nine years wandered off. Um, and uh, thankfully, she came back. Uh, we uh, initially uh, got her after she wandered up to begin with as a stray, and we sort of adopted her. But she spent a, a cold night uh, somewhere, not sure where, but by the way she looked yesterday when she uh, – when she came back, she it looked like it was a hard night that she will remember, hopefully for a long time. But and pets, uh, pets are that way. You know, certainly, if you have pets around the house uh, with weather like this, don't forget about them. You know, they need some shelter too, and certainly they could be uh, harmed with the weather uh, being sort of down. Hey, exciting stuff in the news! I don't know if you saw this. This is uh, just a couple of days ago. You may remember about 2009, I believe, in Europe, there was a man who was HIV positive, who had a, a human immunodeficiency virus and was being treated for it. But then he developed leukemia, and uh, which is a type of blood cancer. Um, and he was treated for that uh, several different ways, but was treated ultimately with a stem cell transplant. And the stem cells that he got were from an individual uh, most people aren't may not be aware of this, but there are a very, very few individuals that have a rare 
um, uh, mutation in their T cells. Those are the cells that the HIV virus likes to, to attack. And that, vi- that uh, genetic defect sort of makes them immune to the virus. So the person who was the donor of the stem cell transplant to this individual who had HIV, uh, it's, it's thought that, that uh, after they had the stem cell transplant, there was no evidence of uh, HIV. And uh, I sort of lost. I didn't see how long they followed the gentleman up or if there were some other complications. I know it was a good long time. Well, that's been replicated now. Uh, another individual, a man in Europe who was uh, had HIV uh, and uh, had to undergo a bone marrow transplant, uh, is now about 18 months out and still does not have any traces of the HIV virus. So not prime time for treatment. Certainly if you're, you know, if you know of somebody who's in that category or you're in that category, that's not a recommended treatment, a bone marrow transplant. It has a lot of risk and side effects from it. Um, this of note, this this last case had a lot of the regimen that was used wasn't quite as um, as uh, severe uh, as the first one. So uh, who knows? One day we might have something like that. We might be able to, uh, to recommend that. HIV is uh, very treatable these days. Um, you know, there's a lot of of great medications that don't have as many of the side effects uh, that we used to have. And as long as you're compliant with taking those medications and, uh, you know, and doing all the things that you have to, you got to be sort of regimented. Uh, you know, you can live for a long time. Magic Johnson, that's a, an excellent example, still doing fine with HIV. Uh, you know, one of the first celebrities to really come forward and say that he had it. And uh, that's a great platform that he has about education about that. So, Make sure if you do have HIV that you're, uh, you know, reaching out with your infectious disease specialist, uh, making sure you're doing everything that you can do to secure your health. This is Southern Remedy. Uh, you can reach us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Other questions, there are some common questions that we get when people come into the office, and this is one of them about asthma. So this, uh, this listener writes, what medications are the best in the treatment of asthma, and what are their side effects? So I just wanted to back up a little bit. A lot of people say that they have asthma. They may not understand exactly what asthma is, what is it, what it's, what it's not. Uh, asthma is a bronchoconstriction of the airways, so all of our airways that connect our mouth and our nose to our lungs, they have a little ring of uh, our thin layer of muscle around them. And that helps to control the diameter of those airways. <clears throat> and what happens is in, in bronchospasm, those airways close down and you can't breathe because those, it gets narrowed, sort of like breathing through a straw. If you want to feel, uh, if you want to replicate what it feels like to have asthma, that's pretty close to it. If you try to breathe through a straw and see how long you can do that, that'll give you a good, uh, you know, a good estimate of what that feels like. So there's a couple of different medications, uh, classes of medications in asthma. The first and probably one of the most common is albuterol. So albuterol is a beta agonist, and it's a short-term medication. So it's something when you're having one of those bronchospastic episodes or an asthma exacerbation, uh, sometimes that is wheezing, manifested as wheezing, as a tightness in the chest. It might be accompanied by coughing, too. Some people have night cough, lots of different symptoms with it. Sometimes they can be masked 
as other symptoms. Then the, the rescue uh, medication or albuterol would be the thing that you use. So it's used, uh, you know, if you, if you only have to use it, um, you know, less than twice a week um, then, and, and less than twice a month of nighttime symptoms, then that's the only thing that you have to use. As far as side effects go, it may make your heart race a little bit. If you're having to use it a lot, it does have some other side effects, some GI side effects. Uh, little kids, you may have seen them. If that, you know, if your if your child has asthma and you go into the emergency room, they get bigger doses of the albuterol. They get a little hyper. Um, but that's that's your rescue inhaler. So that's the one that you would take if you're having that uh, exacerbation, and it helps to relax those muscles around the airway so that you can move more air in and out. Um, the other group, if you have symptoms more than twice a week or more than nighttime symptoms more than twice a month, then really at that point you're looking at inhaled steroids or the biggest bang for your buck and trying to decrease a lot of the inflammation that's associated in the airways with asthma. And um, people are concerned about this. You know, they, if you if you've been around long enough, you're like, well, wait a minute, doesn't that you know doesn't that have a lot of of side effects with steroids? So by being inhaled, and if you even if you use them on a daily basis for years, they're actually pretty safe in the low to, to medium range. High-dose steroids might have a couple other side effects. Sometimes if you're not using them appropriately and you get a little bit of it, more of it than you need to with the medication in your mouth, you can have thrush in your mouth, and that needs to be treated. But it really, uh, it really doesn't have a whole lot of systemic side effects the way that steroids are taken by mouth. So these aren't the pills that you take for, you know, that are steroids. This is steroids that you inhale so it gets down in the lungs. But those, there are other medications out there. If you have a lot of allergy symptoms, your uh, primary care provider or your allergist or pulmonologist, they may, they may prescribe a, um, a medication called Singulair or Monoluclast. So that's a different type of medication that helps to reduce, again, some of the inflammation in some of those cells. Uh, sometimes antihistamines work uh, to help prevent a lot of the allergic symptoms that trigger asthma. Just being a good detective and looking for asthma triggers, though, is extremely important. So I always, uh, you know, tell people, look, carry a little notebook around with you. And when you start to have an asthma attack, think about what you just came into contact with, whether that's something that you breathed in, that you came in contact with an animal that you don't normally come in contact with. Maybe it's a cat or a dog. Maybe it was a food. And write those things down. And if you start to see a pattern, then that may be some things that you can uh, that you can get out of your day-to-day what you're uh, what you're being exposed to so a couple of things about asthma there that's a common one that people ask about and sometimes you get those if you're a patient with asthma you get those medications mixed up so you get the uh, rescue inhaler which is albuterol uh, mixed up with the inhaled steroids which would be something that you take on a regular routine basis whether you're wheezing or not this is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy, and uh, we're talking about all kinds of things. they got plenty of time for you to call in, though. The number to call this morning with your questions about the health care of yourself or somebody else is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. I had a question about a, uh, a certain diet to, uh, for the patient that I saw yesterday morning. Uh, this is an individual that were, she's in her 70s, and she said, you know, 
What about different diets? It seems that a low-carb diet, a very low-carb diet works for me, but I've got, you know, she had a couple of her her, her daughter and uh, was a main person that said, you know, you, you don't need to be doing that. That's way too, too few carbs, and that's not going to be good for you. So all kinds of different diets out there. If you're worried about your heart or stroke risk or some kind of chronic medical problem, diabetes would be another one. Talk to your physician before you change and start any kind of diet. Uh, but, you know, if you look at all of them, whatever works for calorie restriction, which is the most important thing, particularly if you can't modulate your activity level, uh, then then I would say go with that. Now, some people just can't sustain the low-carb diet, and particularly if you ramp up your physical activity, you're probably going to have to uh, to increase it. But all of them seem to work okay as long as you're getting all of the nutrients that you that your body needs. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we've got a couple of callers that are calling in right now and uh, getting their, uh, their calls in today, but plenty of time for you to call, too. You can reach us this morning at one 877 MPB ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be right back after this break. Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. You're here with me, Dr. Jimmy, and uh, we're going to answer some questions today. That's right. Any and all questions you have about your health or the health of somebody else, you can reach us by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. All right. We're going to go to Mac from, oops, sorry. Hold on a minute. Uh, we're going to, we're going to come back to, uh, to Mac. I'm sorry. That's Dr. Jimmy pushing the wrong button here. We're going to go to Jane first. Good morning, Jane from Madison. Thanks for calling this morning. Well, thank you. Um, I recently had an upper GI Mm -hmm. and, um, hold on just a second. I had an upper GI and the doctor told me, I didn't understand this, that my stomach was red. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the lining of it, probably. Right, right. And and she also told me that I did not have a bacteria that she tested for, some sort of a a common bacteria that I didn't have. Yeah. She gave me some a six month supply of pills for GERD. Uh huh. She also, I couldn't believe it. She also stretched my esophagus. 
Yeah, probably the lower part of it. Okay. <clears throat> that sounds, I know it sounds medieval, doesn't it? Um, but yeah. uh, it, it actually, that's something that they do, that gastroenterologists do for a reason. Um, so this is a common thing. So this is a very common, uh, you know, I'm, I'm betting that you had some uh, some reflux type symptoms, which would be burning in your in your chest or in your upper abdomen is that is that right jane right i had um, it was almost like a feeling of a heart attack pain you yeah know? oh it can yeah and they can sometimes they can masquerade uh as as each other so uh, the the redness in the lining of the stomach that's just irritation if you think about it like your skin and you took some sandpaper to your skin and made it raw that's the same type of thing so your stomach it produces acid to help break down those food particles and try to get get the digestive process uh, going. Uh, And sometimes the lining, the protective lining of the stomach that protects those cells can break down to the point where that acid starts to erode through the actual lining, or it can look red. So if you think about it like sandpaper to it, that's probably a good analogy. And uh, you mentioned the uh, the bacteria that they test for. That's called Helicobacter pylori. That's oh, right. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. It's one of those long ones. Or H. pylori, if you want to, you know. But it's it's a weird bacteria. It likes to live in acid environments, and it's a little spiral looking thing. It looks like one of those things you put your big tents down in your yard with, and it spirals down into that mucus layer, and it can actually make the process worse. It can cause inflammation, and it can cause gastric ulcer. So an ulcer would be not just the gastritis, which is what you described, but an ulcer would be a shallow sort of scooped out portion that it's actually eroding down into the skin. So what your what your GI doctor is trying to do is to decrease that inflammation with that medication, which is, is cutting down the acid level. And the stretching part is for the esophagus. So if you get a lot of that acid that comes back up into the esophagus, that's the reflux part of that. So it's supposed to not go that way. It's only supposed to go one way. If it comes back, and all of us have that. You eat too much, and you drink a little bit of water, and you, you burp, and something you know comes back up, and it burns. That's, that's because that acid is hitting the bottom part of the esophagus. If you have that enough, then it can actually... Uh, irritate those cells, and those cells can change over time to increase your risk for esophageal cancer and stricture. So stricture would just be like some scar tissue that's causing it to, to uh, and they can see that when they do the scope. So that's probably why they did that little little balloon procedure where they stretch that. It's not stretching it like you would you know, stretch stretch a piece of rubber like pulling it across a room. It's really stretching, putting that balloon down in the middle of that tube of the lower part of the esophagus and stretching it outward, if that makes sense. It does. It, it does. And, yeah. and Jane, I would I would think about, you know, if because our stomachs are, you know, that's sort of the center. The Greeks are like, this is the center of your soul was in your stomach because you felt things there, right? Mm-hmm. So so all kinds of stressors can, can make this worse. Foods can make it worse. You probably know what's going to set you off already. Like, I know if I eat that, I'm going to have some reflux. Um, I'm hoping that the GI doctors pointed you in the right direction with some materials, but they're easy to find. If you go on MD consult and put in GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease, you're going to find a ton of stuff to that you can do in addition to the medication. And hopefully after six months, what they're probably going to do is take you off and see how you do and make sure everything's healed up. Okay, great. Would, would you recommend that they haven't made a follow-up appointment? Would you 
think that maybe I should go ahead and make one anyway? Yeah, I probably would. Probably that six months should be perfect. So I would make that follow-up appointment. And then at that time, because we know if you take, some people have to take those medications to get the acid down, particularly in your your stance, you know, uh, with that kind of irritation of the stomach. But it can heal up and you can come off of them because there are some side effects with, with those medications. Okay, well, thank you for uh, telling me. Oh, sure. Thanks for calling, Jane. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, it's a common thing that uh, a lot of people deal with. So, uh, man, it's uh, it's a that's a tough one. All right, uh, Kevin, help me out. Who are we going to next here? All right, we're going to go to Renee in Shelby, Mississippi. Good morning, Renee. Hi. Thanks for calling. Yes, I was wondering, as I age, I noticed a lot of moles are popping out, and I want to know why. Sure. Shelby, I'm going to ask that dangerous question. How old are you? 54. Yeah, that's about right. So uh, moles uh, are are pigmented. You know, I think everybody knows what a mole is on your skin. So, you know, the thing that causes that is those little melanocytes. So the melanocytes are the, are the skin cells that produce melanin or skin pigment. And if they clump together... Uh, they can they can sort of uh, have either a flat or a raised up mole, and these are things that you know light skin people normally get. You don't have to. I mean, African Americans can have uh, a lot of moles, and a lot of it's genetic. If you look at your parents and like, okay, they're pretty moly. Uh, I'm probably going to be moly too. There's other things that pop up on the skin, like capillary hemangiomas and all kinds of crazy stuff that that has a longer name that really is not that big a deal. But um, the question, why do they appear at certain times, particularly in middle age, is because of hormonal changes, we think, that happen around those times. Interestingly enough, you can have an increase in moles in puberty. Uh, You can have an increase in moles with pregnancy, both in number and size, and then later in life in middle age. Same thing for men, too, just like we lose our, you know, most men lose at least a little bit of hair as you as you get older, and a lot of that is just from hormonal changes over time. Same kind of thing with moles. They do tend to be more prevalent in places that are sun-exposed, but they don't have to. Um, if they're causing you problems, I, you know, it's never a bad idea to have a dermatologist just give you a once-over to see if they're normal or not normal. Now, I will say, you know, as you get older, older, like up into the 70s or 80s, that you're probably not going to see them popping up like they did, you know, in your 50s. But that's that's what we that's what we think, though. A lot of it has to do with those hormonal changes and other changes in the body. Those little cells, you know, clump together more and they they grow in number. Uh, and that's our skin gets a lot of damage over time just from the sun. So over a lifetime. So that's that's hard to avoid those. All right. Thank you, Renee, for that question. And everybody's got moles. I mean, I've got all those little crazy little things, too. Um, You know, those capillary hemangiomas, I mentioned those, those little red spots that uh, blanch. They they go white when you touch them, and uh, those run in my family. Uh, Number to call this morning if you have a question is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464, or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. All right, we're going to go to Mac, back to Mac in Biloxi. Good morning, Mac. Now in Pascagoula. Oh, I'm sorry, Pascagoula. Somewhere on, that's right, somewhere in southern Mississippi. We want to get it right, though, so thanks for correcting us. 
Okay, that's, that's correct, Pastor Cooper. Okay, okay uh, my question is, is uh, uh, I have a, a runny nose problem. Uh, I've had, I'm 67 years old, and I've had it all my life. But, but I talked to my doctor probably about uh, six months ago, and he recommended Flonase. I tried that, but in, and it doesn't seem to work. Let me ask you a couple of things, Mac. Does it get worse, like in temperature changes, or like if certain foods that you eat? Oh, uh, uh, I, I had noticed any difference in in the, the temperature or food. Yeah, so so the Flonase is mainly for allergic type runny noses. So it's allergic rhinitis is what we call it, and it works really well for that. Now, however, it sounds like you may not have that. It sounds like you may have rhinomotor uh, uh, rhinitis. And, you know, there's little nerves that, that go to those cells that produce mucus in your nose. Sometimes they're just wired up to the point where they get triggered by all kinds of different things. Yeah. They, they can be triggered by most everybody. When it gets a little colder, your nose does that because it doesn't want to dry out. It tries to keep the air warm and moist. But some people, well, it's like well, a... It all the time. It, it doesn't... It, it Wait till cold weather comes around. It does. It's all the time. All the time. So there are a couple other medications that you may want to uh, get your physician to check out. Azelastin is one. But um, an allergist, is, even though I don't think this is an allergy-type problem, I, or an ear, nose, and throat doctor, they may be able to help you more because there may be some other medications that you can take. But it doesn't sound – if Flonase doesn't work for people and they're using it appropriately – um, then that you need to look for other things other than allergic rhinitis, like as such as. I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mac. Such as as what? So so like the, what I just mentioned, like rhinomotor rhinitis. Uh, now you didn't tell me about any kind of trauma. That I might think of a couple other things because sometimes you can have like a leak of the fluid that help bathes the the space around the brain. I don't think you have that, but um, you know a lot of people will have continual leakage there. But it sounds like it those those nerves to your nose may be sort of haywire, particularly if you've had it all your life. Um, and it's not really triggered by anything. That's more of, of a different problem. But there are a couple other, like, you know, Azelastin, some, uh, um, uh, you might try that. And then, um, atropine, uh, not atropine, I'm sorry, atrovent, nasal atrovent is another one that, that works pretty well to, to help sort of dry that up. Um, but go see, go see, and you can tell a lot by looking at it too. History will tell you most of the things like what you just said, Mac, but physician, <laughs> Never, you know, it always is it's really good uh, for them to look up your nose. I always tell people, I'm going to look up where most people don't want to look up somebody's nose. But uh, right. uh, but that's they need to take a look there and uh, see what's going on. All right. Thank you very much. You've been uh, very helpful. Oh, thank you, Mac. I appreciate you calling from Pascagoula. All right. We're going to go to Rick uh, from Biloxi. Good morning, Rick. Hey, how you doing? Good. Good. Hey, my question is, I've been on a, uh, a completely plant-based diet for, mm-hmm. close, for close to two years now. I don't I don't like to call it a diet because I don't calorie restrict at all. Yeah, good for you, yeah. as many plants as I want to. Um, but my question is, I know that, you know, I should supplement with B12, and I know that I should supplement with D, I can't remember if it's D3 or D6, but other than those two, what other vitamins should I supplement? Uh, with because I'm not eating, you know, meat. 
Rick, if it's if it's a balanced diet and you have some of the the plant protein sources, I don't know that you'd really need to uh, to eat a whole lot of something else. Uh, you covered a couple of them. Some of the fat soluble soluble vitamins you can't get as much, and you know, with us with us saying, you know, uh, with the skin cancer risk these days, most people are saying stay out of the sun. That's another way you can pick up some vitamin D. Uh, you know, if, as long as you have at least a little bit of it in your diet. And, uh, but I, if you're eating a pretty varied diet, uh, and I'm sorry, I, I said the same word. So varied, uh, uh, um, what, what can we call this, um, uh, eating plan, I guess we could say it. So, uh, if you, if you have a pretty varied plate full of all kinds of different things, then that's probably going to cover all of your needs. There are some amino acids that are just, uh, just in certain uh, certain plants, beans are a great source. Uh, legumes, beans uh, are a great source of some of those to help sort of take the place. And then, of course, a lot of people jump on you know soybean as a as a uh, uh, soy type protein. Um, but Rick, if you if you're not having any symptoms, uh, don't feel compelled that you have to take a lot of other things because a plant based diet, particularly if it's varied can be extremely healthy for you and i'm i'm glad you're you're doing that for a long period of time what was the if somebody else is out there thinking about this tell them what what was the toughest part of this because you've been pretty successful for two years that's that's pretty good yes sir um really uh i thought it was going to be hard because i love eggs and i love meat and i have all my life but um, I just decided to try it out for three weeks because uh-huh. I'd always felt, always felt like I had like a brick in my stomach or in my intestines all the time. It used to be. always felt like a heaviness, like something just wasn't right. You know what I mean? Right. And so I, just, I tried it for three weeks, and, man, at the end of the three weeks, I felt incredible. So I just, you know, kept on another week and kept on another week and, and so on and so on. And I don't even feel my stomach it's like my stomach and my intestines don't even exist anymore <laughs> in a good way right <laughs> yeah, yeah but, uh, that, that's a common thing that i've heard from people who have you know gone vegetarian or or even vegan uh there are differences um but um you know it's or even you know just if you're shifting toward more of a healthy balance particularly that is incredibly rich in fruits and vegetables um fresh fresh better than processed you you can't help but feel better, and uh, I'm glad you said that, Rick, because that sort of validated what I thought you were going to say. Because that's most people think, oh, this is going to be terrible. I'm gonna, you know, I love eating these other foods, uh, but if you stick to it for long enough, they feel so much better. They have a lot of energy. Uh, if you have a lot of GI, uh, you know, distress, sometimes those goes go away, like like you said, Rick. So uh, I'm glad that's working out for you, but. You know, back to your question, I don't think there's necessarily anything where you have to take something. You're going to be getting a lot of your vitamins and minerals that you would need. Uh, Just that protein would be the one thing that I'd make sure that you got some kind of source of protein in those plants. Yes. Okay. Well, hey, I appreciate it, and um, I I enjoy listening to you. Oh, thanks. Thanks for calling, Rick. We appreciate it. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we got Edna patiently waiting on the line. We're going to go to her and your questions. Got plenty of room on our board for you to call in. You can reach us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be right back after this break.
This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and uh, trying to answer your questions this morning, you can reach us at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you think about something later, or even on the air, and you just can't talk uh, with us right now because of something else going on, you can always send an email to us at remedy at mpbonline dot org. All right, we're going to go to Edna, who's been patiently waiting from Jackson. Good morning, Edna. Good morning. Thanks for calling. I, uh, yes. Um, I was calling because a friend of mine uh, recommended that I call in, and maybe you could help. Well, I'm going to do my best, Miss Edna. Some kind of clue. Well, anyway, I have a 17-year-old granddaughter, uh-huh. and she's been breaking out with, like, uh, a rash uh, on her skin, and now she's de- developed weaknesses weakness in her muscles. And, um, you know, she's going to the doctor, but um, I've been thinking it would maybe be, maybe her, it's her diet. It could be. Uh, now, there are a lot, there's a lot of research in this area about how diet affects us, and certainly skin rashes or skin changes can sometimes do that. And it is, it is tough and, uh, uh, to try to figure that out sometimes. And it doesn't take just one visit. It's, a lot of times it takes – I wish physicians would say that uh, up front. I know I'm guilty of that, you know, just saying, hey, this may take three, six months even before we have an answer just because of we have to do some tests, we have to sort of narrow things down and exclude some other things. Um, when you said, like, skin, you know, skin breaking out with a skin rash – is that all over her body or just in one particular area or well, areas? Initially, it started uh, in her chest and abdominal area. Uh-huh. And then it started to spread around through her waist and her back and and eventually went all the way down her leg. Yeah. And, and is it, it healed is, up at one point. And then, because um, it's been going on for, what, almost a year? Okay. And then it, it, it has come back, and this time it came back and her muscles got got weak. Now, when you say, a lot of times people will say uh, weakness and they mean different things. I just want to make sure I've got this right. When you say weakness, do you mean like it's hard for her to walk or to get up out of a chair or walk up and down stairs? Yeah. Okay. Do do Does she complain about her muscles hurting too? Yeah, she she, complied, she was complaining. What had me most concerned, she, had, she was complaining about she was having problems even opening her and closing her eyes. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Okay. So, and she's being seen currently by a physician, right? Yeah, she, she yeah. started to see one more regular. Okay. I, I, I'm going to take a stab at this a little bit, particularly from the muscle weakness part. So there's a there's a, a lot of different autoimmune diseases that you can get that you want to make sure that we're uh, excluding. Uh, one of them is called uh, myasthenia gravis. Uh, particularly if something the weakness gets worse throughout the day, and it affects her eyelids, um, mm-hmm. I, I would I would at least have that in my bag of things that that I'm going to check for. Um, but there are other things too. You know, sometimes thyroid problems can do that. Now the rash doesn't fit totally with that, but from what you're saying, I'm I'm thinking of about 
10 different lab tests I probably would do and maybe even getting the neurologist to see her to sort of quantify what's going on and, and seeing if they wanted to do any further tests. Um, wow. Weakness usually means the chronic weakness like this has been going on this long, uh, particularly if it's your, your eyes and your eyelids, can't keep them open. Um, it, it usually means that there's something either in the muscle or the nerves going to the muscle. In myasthenia gravis, it's that connection point between the nerves and the muscle. It's treatable if that's what it is. Uh, a lot of these other autoimmune processes are treatable. But if you're not getting answers, I would ask to see a, a neurologist and probably a pediatric neurologist at this point, even though she's 17, she's getting to the point where that, that may not be the the right person, either either a pediatric or an adult probably would be fine. But and it, it, if if she could see that person, particularly if it's going on a year, I think that's going to be most helpful for you. Okay, then. Thank you. Yes, that, ma'am. They give me more. Like I said, some doctors don't give you all the answers you need. Well, we try. They we give try. Me a, they give me a better <laughs> understanding of what may, may be going on outside right. of and it may. It's hard to, you know, it's hard, particularly rashes, it's hard to sort of, you know, certainly we can't provide a diagnosis, but we can try to point right. you in the right direction. Right. Well, like I said, that's more information than I had. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, so you have a good day. All Thank right. You. Thanks for calling, Edna. Uh, number to call if you have a question about yourself or your loved one or somebody, a friend, family, whoever, uh, you can call one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464, or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. All right, we're going to go to Hiram from Macomb. Good morning, Hiram. Uh, good morning. morning. Thanks. Uh, I have a comment and a question. I would like to do the comment first. Is that okay? Sure, yeah. All right, the comment is regarding to the, the gentleman that spoke about plant-based foods. Yeah. And I, and I started that. Uh, two years ago, and what I cut out first was the pork and the uh, seafood, and I began to see my weight drop significantly there. Plus, as a CDL driver, uh, every three months I had to go have do a physical to check my cholesterol and all that stuff. But after I got off of the pork and the seafood, uh, they gave me a two-year. I don't have to go back until two years because of whatever it is that I stopped eating and started eating more plant-based foods that uh, it changed something in me. You know what I mean? Oh, that's yeah. Come from. Good, yeah, and that's it has lasting effects. You know, it, it, you, it does take some time. So it's not, you know, for anybody that makes those kinds of changes in the right direction in what you eat, um, you know, you do it for one week or two weeks and then recheck in labs, you're probably not going to see the full benefit. But, Hiram, just like you said, uh, you know, you can you can get a clean bill of health. Well, I shouldn't say that uh, totally, but you know, certainly it's common. You just have to stick with the with what you're eating. Now, you said so. You're a driver, right? So, how do you stick with this while you're driving? Because that's challenging, right? Oh, it is. Um, uh, I just make my foods, uh, you know, pre-make them. And what I've done is in a processor, I will process you know, like pounds of green plant-based foods and onions and stuff and condense it. And I'm actually eating more of it, you know, kind of processed down. Right, And so right. I'll just take things with me 
and uh, do it like that. You look yeah. containers yeah. and eat it. It's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes some getting used to. I've I've juiced some stuff before. Some of it, I was like, "What was I thinking, putting that in there?" <laughs> I know. So I use a few things to camouflage the taste. That's right. And uh, yeah, but it seems to be working though. Yeah, you can get good. There's some online uh, cookbooks too for stuff like that to make it taste better. So you can. You can get the benefits without uh, making a nasty face while you while you take it down. Uh, did you have a comment or a question about the uh, BMI too? Or yes, uh, I had read something uh, uh, maybe last year or this year, and but over the over the uh, last several years, uh, they were thinking about redoing it for African Americans because there's a difference in a Caucasian and an African. Uh, African-Americans, uh, I guess, physiology, that they're having to redo it because of the density of our bones or, right. you know, just right. other fats and things like that. So uh, what problem, I guess, could it have caused by by African-Americans following a Caucasian standard versus, you know, for an African-American? Yeah, that's a great question. So so BMI, body mass index, so it's a way of, of looking at your weight as it relates to your height. And you get a number, and uh, that number, you know, particularly for, for the things that we worry the most about with overweight and obesity, overweight would be, uh, you know, anything between 25 and 30, and then obesity would be over 30. And it's one equation that's been applied to men, women, all races across the board. And the, the, the benefits of having one equation is that people like me, when we have different people in the office that, you know, when this came out, we had to do this by hand. I was taught this in residency and in medical school that we, you know, we had to do that on everybody. Well, we had a lot of equations, so it was hard to, you know, if you had one differently for everybody. And we didn't really have the evidence. So really what BMI does is it helps you predict what is that BMI as it, as it relates to a risk factor for developing something. So if we're talking about an increased BMI, uh, I'll just use diabetes for an example or certain type of uh, cancers, uh, heart disease. All those things have been associated with an increased BMI. And we sort of have some cutoffs, but as we've gotten a lot more studies out there that just looked at individual groups of people like African-American or Asian or Latino uh, populations and not just white male, you know, even female. We had didn't have a whole lot of females um, uh, for a long time in some of those studies. <clears throat> That's where it's come up, just like you said, Hiram, about, okay, do we need a different equation that maybe speaks to these individual groups of people? So it makes sense. The downside of that is that it makes it more complicated, but we have a ton of, almost everybody's using an electronic medical record that can just be, once the person has all their vital signs put in there, it knows if they're black, white, Hispanic, whatever, as long as that's correct, and it can calculate that kind of stuff out. As far as any damage, it's probably overestimated uh, African-Americans' risk um, you know, some people, for some people, it might have underestimated that. Uh, bottom line, once it gets over about 35 or so, it doesn't really matter at that point. That's such a big risk factor across the board, no matter if you're black, white, Hispanic, whatever. 
that that that's that's definitely a risk factor that you need to target no matter what what the race is. But I have heard that. I think we'll probably see more of that and tailored to individual people, maybe even throw some genetic stuff in there, too, once we have better science around that so that we can really dial down to, okay, this for this individual person who's an African-American male between the ages of whatever, uh, this is the type of, of thing that we need to be looking at. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, Hiram. Hey, good luck to you. Hey, thanks for sharing that, too, about that diet, because that's going to help a lot of people out there. Okay, you said diet now. Ah, I can't. What, what do you call it? Eating? <laughs> just eating? Yeah, just eating bad different. There you yeah. go. Healthy eating. Yeah. How about that? Healthy eating. That'll work. Okay, thanks, Hiram. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, got a couple of more uh, minutes for you to call in. If you want to squeeze in a question or a comment, you can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this break. Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy. We're answering lots of good questions today about the health of you or somebody else. And, uh, Man, a lot of good questions. They're all over the place. A lot of good diet questions. Oh, I said it again. I just gonna. I'm just gonna go. Y'all are just gonna have to just bear with me today. A lot of good healthy eating questions. Let's let's put it that way. It's just like exercise. That's such a bad term. I try to refer to it as physical activity. Um, you know, we could talk all day about that too. About how doing some of the things that promote physical activity that you like to do and that are sustainable over time that may change based on your age and uh, time in your life. Um, but uh, certainly how you say stuff has a lot of emotional effect. We've, you know, diet and uh, and uh, exercise sometimes have gotten the bad rap. So talking about it a little bit differently sometimes does help. Let's go to Ronnie in Liberty. Good morning, Ronnie. Morning. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. I was listening to the conversation you were just having with the uh, the gentleman, Hiram. I think the truck driver talking about the green food that he was eating, and the only problem he had really was the taste of how it wasn't so good. Uh It it made me remember a true story. A a large friend of mine told me it was a a diet that he came up with himself. I thought I'd share it with you. Sure. The guy about six five, and he always teetered around four hundred pounds. But he was a big frame guy. He's a little overweight, but he was a big guy. He was always frustrated because he was trying one diet after another. And just to illustrate that, one day I saw him. I asked him how was his diet doing. He said, "Oh, not too good." 
He said, I went on it. I weighed 390. I stayed on it two weeks and weighed 410. And so I saw him sometime after that, and he lost a lot of weight. And the first thing I thought was, maybe this guy's sick. So I went up to him and visited with him a little and asked him was he sick and about his weight loss. He said, no. He said, you know, I tried every diet there is. He said, I finally came up with my own diet, and it worked. I said, really? Well, what is it? He said, it's real easy. He said, I don't know why I didn't think about it sooner. I said, what's the deal? He said, you can eat whatever you want, as much as you want, anytime. As much as you want, anything you want, anytime. I said, what's the deal? He said, it's real easy. He said, if it tastes good, spit it out. It's not any good for you. It doesn't taste good. <laughs> there may be some truth to that, Ronnie. Yeah, that's. Uh, I've heard that one. I thought you were going to go with the, you know, sometimes people will, will uh, add in the exercise to that. Like, instead of I quit my exercise routine and now I just push out away from the table. Um, there's all kinds of ways that you can approach this. You know, we've heard some good stories today about, um, some some people here have been successful with just doing all vegetables. Uh, for some people, that is hard, either because of, you know, preferences. We're all sort of set up a little bit differently, your activity level. You can do it. I mean, there's even people that are work, world-class athletes, and all they eat is a plant-based uh, uh, eating regimen. So, you know, y- you can do that. But everybody has to sort of find out what works for them and uh, and tailor it that way. That's right. I don't know if it's true, but he thought it was. Yeah, hey, if it works, if it works. All right, Ronnie, thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's one that's always a good question about, hey, Doc, is this bad for me? And I usually say, well, tell me how it's working for you. Let's look at what are your goals and let's try to find something. I think I've mentioned one of my patients on the air before that – he um, he had a dramatic change in the types of foods that he ate and uh, increased his physical activity pretty dramatically with walking about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes a day. And, you know, he, he was able to come off a lot of medications for um, hypertension, for diabetes, and for, for heart disease. So you can do it. Um, it should be, if you think about sort of a pyramid approach with medications being more the upper tiers of the pyramid, it should be the sort of the basis of that pyramid. And it can actually help a lot of your medications work better. People don't realize that, that some of the foods that you eat, particularly if you're talking about hypertension uh, and diabetes, can work against some of those other foods. So diet is medicine. Oh, we've said that before, too. All the time we have for this hour, we want to appreciate uh, everybody who called in. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous, generous support from you, our listeners. I'm Dr. Jimmy. You can join us next Wednesday at 11 on Southern Remedy, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.